The lives of the saints are adventures of faith, inspiration, mercy, and love for God. Which saint guides your spirit? Whose life inspires you to step out into your community and spread hope? This is Saints Who Lead Us with me, Catherine Laguna. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Saints Who Lead Us podcast. This is Catherine, and I know I have been away for a little bit this past week. I was actually at the EWTN radio conference in Alabama, and I had so many different celebrity moments. It was so much fun. I got to meet Father Wade Menez. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Father Mitch Pacwa, and they all have their own radio shows and also TV shows. And I got to go to EWTN's headquarters and visit the of one of their shows. So I even sat on the couch and pretend that I was actually on the um, radio show and the TV show. It was so much fun. And I got some rosaries blessed from them. We visited the shrine. We got to see where Mother Angelica was buried. So that was um, such a blessing to be able to experience those things where, you know, not a lot of people are able to go out there. So for this episode, I also am having a celebrity moment. Do you know why? Because I have the Bullmans with me on this episode, Jason and Rachel Bullman. And if you haven't caught any of their episodes on their podcast, they're from the School of Humanity podcast. So let's welcome Jason and Rachel. How are you guys doing? We're awesome. Doing great. <laughs> and if you, this is a crossover, uh, crossover episode, so you guys have to listen to part one, which was on their podcast. So I think it was pretty cool. So then Jason great. is a doctor and Rachel is a, a stay-at-home mom. She has four kids. I mean, it's an army. I love it, though. That's true. <laughs> Small, tiny army. <laughs> so then, um, Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself for um, my listeners that might not know you. So I am married to this beautiful woman across from me, and we have four kids. And uh, we have been doing ministry together for like a decade, like ever since we've, even wow, before we were married. you are old. I was You're just going to say that. <laughs> but they look so young, though. I uh, promise. <laughs> and um, I work in orthopedic surgery. Um, I'm a physician assistant. So, you know, lots of hip replacements, knee replacements, and uh, rotator cuff repairs and stuff like that. So we are busy between work and raising the kids and ministry and then my new hopefully um uh appropriately discerned call to the diaconate maybe yes and i do want to talk a little bit about that because i okay. think that is remarkable and i i, I pull her i'm just like wow i can't wait to <laughs> become a deacon but the first question that came to my mind where you're talking about being a doctor is that do people ever say hey watch your gray's anatomy and see if they're legit or not <laughs> <laughs> So true. We have had Rachel and I have had this conversation before. Um, I forget who was over at our house and said that. Oh, it was um, a friend of ours who was in the CIA, right? Ooh, and yes. she was saying that she could not watch the CIA type of show. Like CIA, and, and she was in the Secret Service too, so she can't watch Secret right. Service shows. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same way for me with Grey's yeah. Anatomy because uh, you know. Uh, I like rehash episodes for him, and I'm like, yeah, they were like at a run, and someone needed like a chest tube, so they went to this open air tent. He was like, that would never happen. Yeah, I was like, I mean, but they, they were using the like truth. tubes from like socks or something. Yeah. He's like, no, it's not true. Although you straws, 
Yeah, to, that's like, right. See, poke holes into people's lungs. I'm like, no, that's true. <laughs> I mean, he would want me to do that if he was like in dire distress. I can say this now because we have our children here. Like there are two two babies here, and so he's distracted. Shoot, he's looking at me now. <laughs> but I was gonna say that if he needed me to give him a chest tube, he'd be like, get that straw. <laughs> right. I'd be like, I saw really that. Cool. I saw that on Grey's Anatomy. It happens. Yeah. It has to be true. It's on TV, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, ironically, I used to watch ER, which, you know, I don't know if people Ooh, remember that. That was the that first was, one. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's Grey's Anatomy that started it all, Again, but it wasn't. Super yeah, old. it was ER. <laughs> and before, I mean, that was one of the things that spurred me to go into school uh, oh, for wow. this because, um, I don't know, it was just awesome yeah that show was actually a lot a lot more realistic oh so, yeah well there you go yeah. professional experience and all from jason bowman <laughs> <laughs> so then tell me a little bit about your journey to the diaconate and we promise we'll get to the same aspect of it but i just think it's so cool to have these two people here and i'll tell you a little bit of how we met but i wanted to get a right. little bit of your take on your spirituality journey yeah so real quick i mean actually so before Rachel and I met, I had had, you know, what I call like my encounter with Christ and uh, things became more rightly ordered in my life. And um, for the first time, I was starting to actually do things for um, for God and for my own sake rather than, uh, you know, for what the world tells you to do. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, but there was a time when we were dating that I was discerning, you know, how do I give myself completely to God and be married? You know, like I saw like an opposition there Um, because, you know, the whole time I'm in class um, for uh, PA school, I'm like longing to go home and just sit in prayer and silence, which was kind of a hard thing for me. Like all this was happening at once. I'm dating this amazing girl. I am in school, which is incredibly hard. And yet my heart is longing for Christ. And how do I, what do I do with all this? Um, so it actually went down really beautifully where, um, you know, finally the Lord showed me that everyone's called to be a saint in, in different states of life. But that sort of like desire for the religious life or for um, that sort of monastic heart stayed. So I then I started to think about the diaconate, you know, just kind of sort of, but never really. I thought, you know, how could I possibly do that with? work and in our life and kids and all that um but what happened was in our young adults ministry people started to say like wow you would you should consider that and um long story short i mean once rachel mentioned that she was all all in i was like okay well i'm in you know Mm -hmm. i I can't wait um i think that's usually where it starts is when people start noticing it in you (laughs) and they start approaching you and like wow you'd be an excellent deacon and honestly, if even if I didn't know you guys were already in the program, I would think that you would be a great candidate for it oh, because wow. the way that you speak in your podcast, I mean, he's so he's so articulate with um, how he can express his faith. And I mean, the both of you are obviously, which is a great combination to have, you know, as um, as a future deacon and the wife of a deacon. Right. Actually, Apparently, they don't call him de- deaconesses. But, yeah, right. You know, I think my parents' class <laughs> tried that, and you know, it didn't take. <laughs> didn't take. Darn. But it, it, you know, when you're married, your spiritual life is very dependent on your spouse, mm-hmm. and so that is part of the. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, sorry That's about Abigail. Um, <laughs> that is part of the. You know, it's beautiful to that I even have the thought, like, wow, you know, I do ministry so much better with my wife. 
I hope that that pans out in my uh, diaconate, you know, exactly. um, vocation too. Um, it's a very important thing that right. the wiser are heavily involved in it. Right. Because, I mean, imagine if a female wanted to come up and just have like a spiritual conversation, you know, with, with Rachel right. and say, what do you think about this? And maybe because the, they're just not ready to approach you just yet, you right. know, and she doesn't know the teachings of the church. Imagine that. So right. I think that's something that when you're in the diaconate program together and you're going through the courses together, you're growing in that faith together. Right. You're not growing stronger in your faith as she's getting weaker. Right. You guys are growing at the same level. Yeah, it's super important. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And I think that's, I, I'm just, I'm so excited and you guys are always going to be in my prayer during your journey, okay? Thank <laughs> you. Yes, we need it. Okay, so then the coolest thing about our friendship, can we yes. call it friendship? Yeah. Hello. Hello. Okay, is that about a year ago, we met, well, we don't really remember it too much, do you? Right, I don't really remember it. It was very brief. <laughs> yes, it was at the, was it Ministry Formation Conference? Yeah. Bishop Moore High School, right? Yes, yes, yes. And so I was trying to recruit you guys to have your own podcast and stuff. It was just kind of like a thought. We don't really remember it too much, but then from there... You guys, you know, were okay with volunteering for the podcast and things like that. And then um, we started texting each other about, you right. know, like, you know, like, hey, how's your podcast going along? You know, and then from there, it just got a little personal because, you know, we started saying, oh, what TV shows do you guys watch? Right. Or, or, <laughs> or I'll tell, I told Rachel, I was like, oh, because um, Stefan and Damon from Vampire Diaries. And then oh she's like, God. no way, you know them too? Oh, my god, We're best friends. I know. <laughs> So we've kind of had sort of like a pen pal relationship this entire right. time, yeah. which then made me think, can a friendship exist without seeing the person face to face? Right. And yeah. I think that's crucial because I feel like our relationship this entire time, this entire year has not even been face to face. Right. This is the first time we've seen each other since that moment right. at the conference. Right. And um, it makes me think spiritually. We see Jesus through the Eucharist, but not necessarily face to face. Right. Right. And then how can a relationship really grow if we're not seeing each other face to face? So then I think we're prime examples of that. Yeah. And I I want a little bit, a little take on it because Jason is just so spiritual with it and he just says all the right words. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) well, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, what came to my heart was just that like in a real way, like, even though we haven't been like close friends, like, you know, seeing each other often Mm -hmm. or whatever, you've had a huge impact on, on my life and, uh, growth and, uh, my potential vocation, let's say to the diaconate. Um, because in my introverted self, so to say, I would never have chosen to do a podcast like this. Um, and my extroverted (laughs) wife, signed us up and I'm like wait what what just happened <laughs> and uh and then you were just so encouraging from afar and um when you when you gave us applause you know for what we were doing I I mean I felt assured and um and I just Abigail I, clearly just, felt assured as well I'm just blown away um by by that so I mean maybe let's say the superficial friendships I have on a daily basis don't run as deep as our friendship and right. the impact you've had on my life and I've we've only met twice oh my gosh I'm gonna cry <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I was thinking about too like when we saw each other in the lobby it wasn't like I mean it, was, it literally was like oh there's Catherine like we hang out all the time but it was the first time we'd seen each other, seen each other. I know. <laughs> and it was just like oh my god hugs I'm right. such a hugging person I love it so I was like I hope they love hugs too yes <laughs> me too um but I would I would assume 
I mean, I think that hopefully, you know, God willing, one day when we when we meet Christ, that there will definitely be something that jolts within us. But it, I think there will also be an element of it where hopefully we've lived a life of such holiness and of seeking his face that when we see him, there's like a completion of that. Right. Not right. like an awkward, like, oh, hi, it's nice to see right. you. Um, mm-hmm. But almost like a, gosh, I've been waiting to hold you. Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and we, we don't ponder the fact that before the incarnation, I mean, there was no corporal aspect to God or even the angels. Right. You know, I mean, they don't have a corpus. So they see, but I mean, they don't see through... Through, through, you know, human eyes, so to right. say. I mean, and they know. Um, it's kind of like this infused knowledge that they all have of God and of each other. And um, it's just a beautiful thing to ponder, you know, an incredible thing to ponder, actually. Um, so, and, and I've heard it said many times uh, that Christ, after you have sort of an encounter with Christ, you know, he becomes more real than maybe the things you see with your own eyes. You right. Know? That, that's why St. Paul says we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, I mean, it, he, he means it like in the way, in a more superficial way, but also in that deep way. I mean, like we know him, like it's a real knowing. Uh, faith is a real mode of knowledge, you know, if you will. So. Mm-hmm. You're doing a really good job by like articulating so well, and you have a, a six-month-old <laughs> screaming in your lap. See, guys can do two things at once, Rachel. <gasps> oh, let's not trying... just—you're getting a little over overzealous. <laughs> is really what it comes down to. <laughs> I promise their relationship is like this all the time. <laughs> I've witnessed this for like the last hours. So. <laughs> See, this is what I want in marriage right. in the future. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So then we wanted to carry over the theme of music into this crossover podcast. And uh, the saint that actually uh, Rachel selected was um, St. Cecilia. And she's yeah. the patron saint of musicians. Yes. And since everyone is a musician in this room, we can all relate to this. <laughs> yes, Abigail, you can relate to it as well. She's making her own music. How adorable. Yes. <laughs> they... um. We actually definitely ask for the intercession of St. Cecilia when we're going to sing um, the choir as well. And then Jason and I, when, we, when we're able to play as well. Um, but St. Cecilia has definitely been a big part of just our music ministry together and the ministry that I have at the church um, with right. co-coordinating music. That we definitely ask for her intercession anytime we're getting ready to embark on something. Um, She's a friend that we can't see. You know? Yes, yeah, she Aww. is. So. Look at you making all kinds of connections. <laughs> I really like that. And um, another cool thing is that St. Cecilia is usually um, shown holding some kind of organ or instrument. Oh, right? That's really cool. Right? Right? I think if there was a stained glass window with Jason on it, it would be the electric guitar. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Rachel? <laughs> um, uh, yes, I think so, too. And I think that... Um, I don't know. Yours would be you singing. Me singing. Would be you singing yes. with like a platinum chrome mic. Ooh, <laughs> just <fancy>. kidding. In <laughs> my saint window with like a really <laughs> like crazy. Anyway, you're like being martyred as like you're singing. In... <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, so I wanted to break down this episode into the importance of Saint Cecilia and then take it 
um, a step further with expanding on the world of music and how the experiences in our lives really affect us with music involved. And so I have two themes. Theme one is perspective, like my or your point of view of um, experiencing with music and your taste of music. And this will be cool because we'll split mm. it between church music and also secular music. Right. So then as me as a musician, I believe that I relate to music in a different way from maybe a person that isn't a musician right. or can't read music. Right. And this comes to uh, this comes to mind, it just came to mind right now, where um, we would go to competitions because I was in the band in high school. I play clarinet. And um, we would go to competitions and there would be this one section of competition where we had to sight read music. And it's something we've never seen before. Wow. And the entire band would just have to play it. Wow. We only have maybe like 10 minutes for everybody to just get a little taste of it. You know, the director would just be like, okay, drums, this is your part. Crescendo, you know, do this, do that. Um, everybody, make sure you're in 4 4 time or it's cut time, like all these crazy things. And then the band would have to play it. And then the judges would rate us. Wow. And so I think for, for me, music touches my life a little bit more differently because I when I hear music I not only listen to like the lyrics or the sound or the beat of it I think more of like the technical side of it right like right. like this is my example like I know how much control and how much air and how much pressure I need to reach those high notes but I might not know how much dedication Jason might need to play the guitar or you for singing right like do you guys relate oh yeah definitely um now, I would tell you that I, I grew up singing. Um, I grew up in the Protestant church singing. And then um, I didn't play any instruments until I was about, I think I was 19, the first time that I started playing the piano, wow. um, which, you know, was just a couple of years ago. Um, you're, you're always 22. <laughs> right. I'm always 22. Um, but I remember how different it, how, how it changed the way that I view music. Um right. Because before, just singing was one thing, but to be able to sing and play an instrument at the same time is a totally different thing. So it also opens up your respect for other people in that way. Um, I mean, I know how hard it is to hit it, try to hit a high note vocally, mm -hmm. but to be able to, to sing a song with passion and with feeling and still play it is a vastly different thing yeah. uh, simultaneously. So All right. Well, for me, you know, I started off on the electric guitar. I play the acoustic guitar mostly now just because it's in the setting of adoration. But with the electric guitar, you know, it's like controlled chaos because it's very loud. And if you're strumming without um, all the little nuances that you need, like hand position and palm muting and how much pressure to put down on the fretboard with your fingers, um, then it just sounds really bad. And so when you first start off on the electric guitar, you hear like these little kids in the in the music shop playing and it sounds pretty... Or your pretty... wife trying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very similar. Um. <laughs> but as you... But it's funny what you end up watching YouTube videos on or, or, you know, those kind of things is how those little nuances, technical ways of holding the pick or putting your palm on the on the strings in order to mute it just right um, so that it sounds nice and clean and uh, and beautiful so yeah I think I've told you this before but like my favorite sound is the sound that the like weird sliding noise that you hear when you acoustic guitarists are changing chords yes. I love that sound yeah. Yeah. I do too is that hard to do it's hard to do well I, I would say yes yeah um, it is 
I mean, it also reminds me a little bit of like the violin or the viola, like how these people have to sort of like change their body right. to fit the instrument. Wow, right. that's good. That's so it's really a little good. different. Yeah. So they I mean like my arms are already tired just thinking about it. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, they say that, um, which you know, in our in our podcast that we just did, we talked about the fact that uh, C.S. Lewis said that in hell there are two things that are that are not present in hell, and those things are music and silence. And what's really interesting about that is that if you look in scripture, um, Lucifer, before before he was fallen and became Satan, he was he could make music with his body. And Whoa. so, to go and now say that hell is devoid of music. And right. this, the fact that, you know, that as violinists, sometimes harpists, even sometimes the way that, depending on how you're playing something, right. you would have to manipulate your body in order right. to play it well. Well, I would add to that, too, that, like, once you get really good at your instrument. You almost you, become one. You, yeah, yeah. It's like an extension of you, right? I mean, when right. you look at these amazing guitarists on stage, they're not, like, having to think about what note. It just right. flows, right? Or, like, so. the you know those two guys that do, like, popular music? They're the two, two cellists. Isn't right, it the two right. cellos? Uh, two cellos, yeah. But yeah, if you watch them, like when they're they're playing like a Michael Jackson song or something, you would think that they are one with their cello because of how right. uh, aggressive, I was going to say violent, but I was like, maybe that's not the best adjective, but how aggressive they play, you know? I mean, they're like rocking out and you're like, that doesn't seem like it's something right. that would go with playing the cello, but apparently so. But yeah, there's definitely, you definitely become one with your instrument after a while, so... So then I wanted just to give a little bit of bullet points on St. Cecilia's life. And then you guys can just chime in whenever you guys want She was to. a rock star, yes, by the way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> just to go along with the musician front here. <laughs> anyway. And it's kind of crazy because she came from such a rich family, but she wanted to be a very simple person. I mean, they always say that she wore sackcloth uh, clothing. She fasted quite often. She prayed a lot. That was something that was mentioned throughout her life in different sources that I was reading through was that she was always in prayer and singing to the same and angels to guard her virginity specifically. That's amazing. So then, however, um, she was given off in marriage to this guy named Valerian. And so the story goes a little bit like this. So during her wedding ceremony, she sung in her heart to God. And before the consummation of her marriage, she told Valerian, that was her husband at the time, that she had already taken a vow of virginity and there was an angel protecting her. Well, the problem was that Valerian wanted proof of this and he wanted to see the angel. So Cecilia told him that he needed to go to the third milestone of Appian Way, which is actually um, if they are walking from the city of Rome all the way to the southern part of the country. That's a pretty big walk wow. that he had to take, you know. Wow. So then once he did that whole commitment and um, was baptized by Pope Urban. 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 Yeah. yeah. So he came back and he was able to see the angel standing right by, beside Cecilia. And that's when he was like, wow, I truly believe in this. Wow. It's amazing. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, number one, the holiness of the saint to be able to persuade her brand new husband that she's called to be a virgin. Right, and the trust of the, the, right. the, and then the husband. Yeah. yeah. I Because mean, what if you like asked me for something and I was like, well, I'm going to need you to take a little jaunt. <laughs> and you walk maybe 25, 30 miles. <laughs> He had to walk it off. I Get think. baptized. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> every every shower was probably a cold shower. Then, so he just needed to go for a walk. We need you to take a quick walk around the oh, neighborhood. Gosh. And uh... 
Could you imagine trying to tell a guy that these days? Right. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? We're in Orlando, so it's like, I'm going to need you to take a walk down to Miami. And when you get there, if you could just get baptized, <laughs> when you come back, you'll understand. He comes back, he's like, I'm never asking you again. I mean, I'm never going to make that walk again. So. <laughs> oh. oh, my goodness. So then that just shows the true faith that Valerian had. And then sort of yeah. like um, the common ground that they wanted to keep between their marriage. And I think you guys share a little bit about that, keeping common ground and yeah. balancing the marriage life. How's that going for you guys? How long have you been married? How long have we been married? I never know the answer to this question. Oh I knew this was going to happen. Jason always knows the answer to this question, which is, and I also never know how old I am. That's why I always say I'm 22. Um, we, it'll be nine years. Nine years, thank on you. On December 20th. Okay. Wow, wow so, really? Nine years. Nine years. Um, I mean, I think we do. I think we do a pretty good job of that. We we don't really take, I think the biggest thing is just not take anything too seriously. Right. You know? And we still are, we still get, have moods and stuff. Mostly Jason. I'm usually pretty even killed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's realizing that they're, they're moods. I mean, they're not like, and so I think that um, the beauty of a good, a good friendship relationship, anything is just to be open to the Christ that you see in the other person. So. Right. I mean, I think that Christ being at the center of our marriage is is it right right i mean so that sounds really simple well done <laughs> <laughs> so what would you tell single people about the commitment and the sacrament of marriage yeah cool. <laughs> how long we got i'm just kidding um, no i mean i think that um a like jason was saying to keep christ in the center of the marriage and also to know the church um know what the people that the church is, the Lord has allowed to send, send to us through the church, the saints and, and being familiar with all of those things and making it kind of like the language of your love for one another and the language that you speak in your own home changes things. You know, um, I think one of the most profound things that we did together as a, as a, as a married couple was to read the discernment of spirits. Yeah. And to be able to share in ministry like we do. Um, right. I don't ever have to worry about, gosh, I'm going to go off and do this talk and, I worry about whether or not Jason's going to be okay with that because the Lord has just given us such an, an evenly yoked relationship, you know? Um, and it's been, you know, I'm, I'm a little extroverted. I don't know if people know that about me, but I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty out there. And Jason is, <laughs> Jason is introverted. And so a lot of times people just assume, and that is something that, that occurs a lot in, in my family is like, people will just assume, well, Rachel's probably the one who makes all the decisions because she's pretty extroverted. But I mean, we don't do anything without the other person. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's the basis of our entire being for us as, yeah. as a married couple. I would also just to young people, I mean, I would emphasize the fact that it is a vocation, you know, it's a calling. And it's not, you know, some, I think people get immediately like turned off by the priesthood because of the thought of celibacy, maybe. Right. Um, but, you know, marriage is a total gift of yourself to one person for the rest of your life. You know, it's right. a, uh, it's messy and it comes with lots of ups and downs. And, um, but I mean, when you look at who is the ideal person happy person is christ and how do you see right. him bloodied on a cross right total gift of himself to the mm -hmm. world um 
So, I mean, it's not something mundane. It's not something unholy or it's not, average. And it's not a default is, vocation. You right. know, you hear that too. Yeah. Like people are like, well, I guess if I'm not going to become a priest, then I'm probably yeah. going to get married. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, sancti- cho- you choose this every day. You know, we don't default right. to selflessness. Mm-hmm. The sanctification you, you that. that comes even more when you have kids, it just goes more and more and more. So it is a beautiful avenue to holiness. Um and one that should not be entered into lightly, lightly or done just because that's what people do or, or whatever. It should be discerned. So so if your marriage was like a sheet of music, what genre would it be? Ooh. <laughs> wow. Probably, well, like, to be probably one of the those. Imperial March from, uh, yeah. <laughs> just kidding, from Star Wars. At times. It would have to be some kind of like incredible composition from like Mozart where it's like has both like joyful and lighthearted moments but then also deep and like right um you know more you know mournful how do i say that mournful uh (laughs) um moments too um i think that's true of anybody's marriage right um or relationship otherwise it's not real right Mm -hmm. you know otherwise you're just kind of putting this false self out there but eventually that will collapse you know exactly. if, if you never are your true self with your spouse to begin with and you enter into a marriage that way look out because it is not going to happen mm-hmm. or if it does there's going to be a lot of of pain um to get through it right wouldn't you say love yes yeah so then i think this is a good segue to go into theme two which is taste and uh what kind of music triggers an emotional response from you and i wanted to start with church music first because during lent there are these talented ladies at my <clears throat> parish and i guess i can just say i'll give a shout out to them because jashira lissette and natalie sing the via dolorosa so well and it's a combination of english spanish and french and absolutely I don't know. I fall apart every time I hear it. Like right. Lent can be Lent without that song. Right. Right. So, and then I was so in love with that song that one year, I think it was two years ago, during Lent, I recorded it on my iPhone. That is awesome. So then I just wanted to play like a little section of it just so you guys get a, a taste of it. I'm pretty sure everybody already knows the song. Thank you. 
So, what do you guys think? That's beautiful. I've always loved that song, but that is... That right there is pretty amazing, so... Yeah, I mean, the, the music's ability to sort of put you there with Christ on the road to Calvary um, is beyond just mere words or um, even just music alone, like we said in our other podcasts, you know, music has this transcendent ability, you know, to make you feel something in the very core of who you are, um, Right. you know, and since we're all made in God's image and likeness and we're made to know him and love him um, and live with him, you know, it's music, I guess you could say, is rightly ordered when it most, or it's, let's say it's at its best when it's directed towards Christ. Right. And so, I mean, you can't help but want to weep when you hear a song like that if, if you indeed, you know, love the Lord and know him yet, you know. Um, and some people don't even realize that that's why they're weeping. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. You know, you'll just hear something and you're moved. Right. Um, and if you... I would say if you have a soul, which everyone yeah. has a soul, so um, <laughs> that that you can be moved by something like that. You know, there are right. people that don't believe in God and go, can go to the opera and are just struck to the heart. You know, right? right. Um, and there are people that can come not believe in God and maybe they they were invited by a relative or a friend to attend mass, and they'll be moved. I right. mean, if if the music of the liturgy is appropriated the way it should be, then they're going to be moved. Right. So. Yeah. I think something that I remember when I was in the choir at my parish was how much fun I had playing the Gloria on my clarinet. It was just something that when I got to those high notes, oh my goodness, it was over. I just, <laughs> it was just that joy that I got from giving that gift to other people though. Because right. it wasn't just for myself. Right. right. It was for God. It was for other people so they can experience the mass in a more beautiful way. Yep. Yes. So do you guys have any, like, songs or parts of the Mass where it just moves you? And it could be in any liturgical season, too, because sometimes the music does change. There's times where we don't even sing the Gloria. Right. The This past Easter, which I know that you, you appropriately with liturgy, we should be doing this, but it was the first time we had done it for the Mass that I was in charge of. We had done the um, Victimiae Pascale. Is that what it's called? Um, but this, it's in Latin, the Paschal Victim, and the, the Gregorian chant for it. Not Gregorian, but just the chant for it. It was just beautiful. Right. And I think that, I mean, obviously, the majority of the people in the room, and maybe even some of us that were singing it, had no idea what we were singing. Um, but it's just so beautiful. Right. And then um, also the, I don't know if you've been to a Taizé service. I don't know. Uh, so Taizé is just a prayer service where, and it's actually ecumenical. Taizé is actually a city in France. Um, and it's an ecumenical community that they get together and they, they'll sing together. Sometimes it's in different languages, um, but also, and the, most of it sounds very chant-like. And so yeah. um, at Resurrection, we've done Taizé services for most of the season. So like in Advent, I don't think we're doing one this year, but we definitely do one in Lent. And it's just beautiful. Yeah. I mean, just the different languages and how it just draws you in. Everything is drawing you into something. Just like the di- the dynamism of music is always moving to a time. And our hearts are the same. So Right. 
I think it, it shows, um, at least in my parish, um, we have three different communities. So we'll give mass English, French, and Spanish. So wow. during the huge celebrations, the days of obligation, and um, the big masses, we'll come together as a community. And they'll somehow, very strategically, they'll put all of the languages into that same mass. And it's something where we switch from Spanish to then English, and not only in music, but also when reading the gospel or reading the readings. And even though you might not understand what's going on, because it's not your um, particular language, I think just being there, you can just almost spiritually understand right exactly and then it's something where you're you're kind of like in communion with everyone right it's something about the closeness of what music brings with everyone even if it's not of the same language yeah. that's just so remarkable it's uh it's very catholic you yes. know uh, you know by definition like when i think of catholic i think of according to the whole you know um like w-h-o-l-e according to the whole and um thank you for clearing that yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, people might get confused by that. Like what? Um, <laughs> so anything that is, a, you know, tr- truth has got to be universal if it's true. It can't right. be true sometimes and not others. Right. It has to be according to the whole. Um, and and music is the same way. And I think it's very beautiful. You know, multi or uh, bilingual or multilingual masses are, I think, all the more catholic and although you may not be understanding with your mind you know that particular language you do with your heart and that's what music is meant to drive you towards anyway is to use that faculty of your soul that you may not use very often which is loving god you know right um and uh so for me the type of music that came to my mind was the same as you rachel was that taize and i think that it's because it is it's polyphonic, meaning, you know, it starts with like a One particular tone then, or right. voice and then it builds and builds and builds. Um, but it's repetitive, too. Right. And something about that sort of repetitive nature, it kind of it it almost inspires you to stop paying attention to the words necessarily, but to what is going beyond those words, what's happening within your right. heart at that moment. And so it builds and builds and builds and kind of is drawing your heart up, if you will, to God, um, to this sort of amazing moment. And then it might draw you back down. And and then you realize maybe in those lower moments or the decrescendos, you might recognize your sort of distance from God or, you know, the division there and your heart's longing for him, too, which is also good, you know. Right. Um, So there's something about sacred music that is incredibly sacred you know um but that's not to take away from um contemporary christian music either i mean it 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 does the same right uh, in a different way i think so then i wanted to talk a little bit about secular music and i know like all the music out there is not you know, church appropriate or anything, but I do feel as though we can connect or relate to really popular bands and stuff that are out there. Yeah. I mean, I, my brother and I, we grew up uh, listening to Linkin Park all the time and it was just something about, I mean, I know it's a little cheesy, but rocking out (laughs) (laughs) or just, you know, moving to the beat because uh, for some reason that band just brought all of my emotions out to like the front where I can actually see them and then right. contemplate and then move on from there. And um, there's just a talent that they have that even with sad lyrics, 
they can sort of switch the beat to have it sound like loud and out of control, even though it's not. Right, right, right. And uh, they're just very passionate with um, the things that they talk about, especially with their own personal lives. And it's something also that relates to Taylor Swift because even though Rachel kind of like stole my thunder there in the in the last podcast. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> something that I really like from her music, it's sort of like reading from her diary, but putting it into song. And I think that's something that we can say about the book of Psalms. I mean, if you just read them word for word, they're poetry. But right. when you actually sing them, they kind of change into their own. Right. And you guys right. relate to that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that we've, I think we've written maybe a couple of the meditation songs that we've done for our upper mm. room. Oh, yeah, that's true. Another hidden talent. Um, and uh, it's hidden because it's not very good, so we don't usually bring that out. <laughs> yeah, we keep that well hidden. Keep no. that well hidden. I was um, just going to tell you to give me an example. <laughs> you think of Catherine, you get a little carried away. Um, I can't. It's been so long. I know. I wish you could think of one. It's so, okay. But they, um, I mean, it, that's, that's, I think that would be the natural evolution of poetry, mm-hmm. is that it eventually becomes music. Um, because inevitably, poetry is really like the music of your heart. Mm-hmm. So it eventually would have to be put to some sort of melody for the fullness of what it is. No, exactly. And I'm just laughing because I was telling Jason before we started recording the podcast that for some reason I thought that I could just pull out my clarinet because I have it right here. That's my clarinet bag. And <laughs> I thought I could just pull it out and start playing some of the songs that I played for like uh, two years ago or something like that. Right. I was like, oh, no, you need a little bit more practice, Catherine. But um, the last time I, I brought it out, I was playing some of the music from Lincoln Park. Because it was so cool. They had clarinet music for Ligon Park. What? Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> that's amazing. That's so awesome. then I thought that if I could just practice last night and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I could play, I mean, Numb for you guys or In the End. Because those are the more popular ones. Oh, those yeah. are the ones right. that people really know. But no, my love for Lincoln Park went deeper than that because I know all of their songs. That's <laughs> amazing. So then do you guys know any particular bands that like like how I know Lincoln Park? Even back in the day. <laughs> why, she, why did she say that? Back in the day. I don't understand. Um, <laughs> Catherine, we're going to talk about that out the air, okay? Um, but no, I mean, I think that any of the, the bands from then that just blow me away, I mean, mine were always vocally just blowing me away. I mean, just recently I went and saw um, a Boys to Men uh, at Epcot, and there's just something about the way that they interweave their voices, that it's almost like a band, you know? There's something that, like, we, we were talking about the fact that um, the polyphonic music and that when you bring the band together and things are, in the, the instruments interweave with one another, you know, there's that ability within the voices. And even with our son, our oldest son, you know, it has, he actually has an injury that will prevent him from being able to play a lot of instruments. And so I've told him, you know, your instrument can be your voice. And, um, Amen. And the fact that when you layer voices, just like the universal church is layered and multifaceted, when you can layer voices in a beautiful harmony, it becomes one. You can still hear the uniqueness of each voice, but altogether there's just a sound that is, is unrelatable to anything else. And I think it's the same thing with voice to men. Yeah. Well, vocally, I would always think about um, Kelly Clarkson yeah. and Carrie Underwood. Yes. Those are really good vocals. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, growing up, I, as a you know, as a musician, I think you tend to maybe like a lot of different types of music just because you appreciate them in a different yeah. way, like you were saying. I can go from Linkin uh, Park to Taylor Swift. Right. I mean, what, that doesn't make sense, right? Right. <laughs> but I definitely identified with the uh, more like like a Linkin Park type of band yes! uh, because 
Um, <laughs> there's just such you can just feel the um, you can just feel their soul when they're singing it, mm-hmm. you know. And there's nothing wrong with singing songs about sad or that are sad, you know. Um, a lot of you know church music is in that in that tone because you know we really are pilgrims heading towards uh, a heaven that's already present but we're not we haven't arrived fully there yet and so there's this insatiable longing we all have and it's very hard um and so i felt that very much as a child um i think very aware of the fact that something is uh you know not quite right and um uh, you know that communion um that you want that peace that that um being with um the lord that's not fully there yet and so i would definitely identify with like songs that are like you know that's i think why i ended up listening to even really like heavy metal stuff because like when you'd hear like them not just like all screaming but like um when they call it like screamo music that would be like some singing but then would end up in these like moments where the person i thought screamo was when everybody screamed no 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 it's emotional, like screaming. That's why they call it screamo. Yeah. Hello. Wow. <laughs> Great. So, um, so anyway, that sort of moment though, when like um, the singer from Lincoln Park would be like, yeah, Chester Bennington, yeah, yeah. just letting it all out letting is all so out. like amazing. Would he scream yeah. and sing? Yeah, he did yeah. both. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he would do both because he would just do like some kind of like. A little bit lower of screaming, but then he would just let it all out. And he was so right. good at doing both. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I definitely love that kind of music. I still, I still, you know. Oh, yes. I'm going to save my car. <laughs> we'll indulge now. Wasn't then. there a Christian band that did screamo music? What was that um, band? Do you yeah. remember? Um, what was it called? Didn't they start? The name of that band is Under Oath, in case you guys, and it's from back in the day, quote unquote. And they're intense, okay? Just. You gotta preface that. They are pretty intense, but I will say that from those bands that like are super like rock bands, Lincoln Park included, they have amazing drummers. Oh yeah, oh, well they're just technically amazing, um, guitar and drums and bass and all that. I think that one of the appeals too is just the contrast between the like melodic kind of singing and then you're able to transition to a, like where you're full on you know, screaming at the top of your lungs <laughs> and do that like where it's beautiful, like is, is quite an art. Yes, exactly. So uh, a little bit of part of St. Cecilia's story, um, bringing it back to the saint of the podcast, is that she heard heavenly music in her heart when she got married. So could you imagine her <laughs> point of view right. on hearing what heaven sounds like? I mean, what would that even be? Right. Maybe like the harp, the cello. Right. I mean, that's, that must be incredible. Not the electric guitar. <laughs> Love you, honey. Or maybe the sound of heaven is to your perspective. Right. Right. Dum, da, da, dum. <laughs> well, I think it's important that they say that, you know, notice the words they chose there in her heart. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe music is like part of your being. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is very like ontological, meaning, you know, spiritual. Um like it's that deep to where I mean we have ears because God gave us ears and you know we can hear things and so that's how music manifests itself to a body but what about angels right plus you know we always talk about the fact that you only know God according to analogy 
Mm. So like you can only right. speak about God, like even speaking about heaven, like when, when Jesus was using parables, he could only do that because we, we don't know it, you know, so you have to use analogies to try to explain it. And I wonder if music isn't just, just another um, analogy that God has provided us with so that we could hear what his heart might sound like. Right. Well, of course, I would be extremely sad if there wasn't music that you right. actually hear. But, <laughs> but, but it would be part of you. So it would be like it had been that way your whole right. life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. How could it be anything other than completely can we? Can satisfying? I have that snippet of him saying, you're right? Um, I'll save it as an MP3. Thank you. It could be like a ringtone. It could be. Anytime he calls, it just goes, you're right, you're right, you're oh right, you're right. <laughs> Thanks, Catherine. Wow. <laughs> so then I was thinking maybe like at the moment of um, the gates opening in heaven for you, it's like right. your favorite tune or something. I don't right. Know. Could you imagine that? Yeah. Right. Oh, my gosh. That would be amazing. <laughs> All right, so I think that covers it. I'm Thank so, you so much, yes. Catherine. I'm, like, I'm so grateful you guys are my co-hosts this week. Thank you so much we for coming it. along. It was so nice to meet you again. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, right? I know. Mind blown. If you really think about it, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, It is crazy. But I'm so happy that this friendship formed, though. Me too. <laughs> so maybe this crossover event was probably better than like the Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, Legends oh, crossover. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, he doesn't watch that show. <gasps> he doesn't watch any of the superhero shows? No, he's, um, I mean. I watch the movies. I mean, I love It doesn't Marvel. count. Anyway, the I four-way mean... crossover was amazing, okay? <laughs> but this is way better than that, okay? All right, you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Stay 2 Lead Us. Until next time, have a fabulous day. 